This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello, and welcome to yet another episode of Literati, a podcast about the greatest American novels never written. And not to brag, but we just want to take a second to acknowledge that we are currently number one on the iTunes chart in the category of podcasts no one listens to. I'm your host, Michael Wolf, and I'm joined by your host, Colin O'Brien. <laughs> now, there's no denying that literature is an important part of our culture. Okay, It expands our horizons, builds critical thinking, and gives us a better understanding of our humanity. But despite all that, what is the biggest problem with books? They're too long. Way too long. Even the short ones are too long, in my opinion. I mean, I feel like I'm getting a hunch from the short stories I'm carrying around. They're really hurting my back. And let's be honest, you don't have the time to read all these important works. You have more important things of your own to worry about. For example, your home beer brewing class for singles. Where did your kids go? And, of course, that new souffle recipe you've been meaning to try out in your kitchen. So that's why there's Cliff Notes, okay? To help summarize and analyze novels so you can get the gist of it and get back to your busy lives. But, Colin, what would you say is the biggest problem with Cliff Notes? They're too long. Still way too long. I mean, you have more important things to worry about than reading 40 pages summarizing great expectations. For example, your wedding to that cute guy you met at the home beer brewing chorus and now you can't go back because it's strictly for singles. Mm. Being questioned by the police who apparently think you're now a suspect in the case of your own missing kids. And of course another example. Oh no, my souffle is burning! Oh God, my beautiful kitchen! No! So that's why Michael and I made our own book summaries that are way shorter and will save you oodles of time without skipping over any of the big themes and plot points of some of the biggest novels you quote-unquote need to read. We call it The Immediate Intellectual, for when you gotta be smart, now. Let's start with Oliver Twist. Dumb, sad little orphan boy is obsessed with soup, and that's important for some reason. Also, there's a big twist ending, including olives. Book summary number two, In Search of Lost Time by Marcel Proust. A dude eats a special cookie and then trips the fuck out for like a million pages. Trey French. Colin, I hate to be a fussy Frank here, but I feel like some of these summaries are just still too long. I'm sort of drifting in and out of consciousness. Okay, well, let's chop them down. Let's make them shorter. How about this? Moby Dick. Guy on boat want whale no get. Great. Great Gatsby. Rich people sad. Crime and punishment. Don't do the crime if you can't pay the time. And punishment. Anything by J.D. Salinger? Rich people sad. Farewell to arms. Guy loses arms, moans about it for 300 pages. Oh, are you sure that's what that book is about? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I mean, don't you remember that uh, famous passage from that novel? One that goes, Well, so long, arms. It was nice knowing you. Guess I gotta learn to pick stuff up with my feet now. <laughs> Yeah, it's yes. coming back, yeah. Now I remember. And finally, as I lay dying, someone lays dying. So there you have it. There you go. Whip those out next time you are trying to impress somebody at a party or a college class. But, you know, before we bring out our author for the day, 
and really kick this episode off, we thought we would take a moment to share with you a little behind the scenes. Mm, yeah, some peek of the, behind the curtain. Yeah, some of the books that shaped myself and Colin. We're molded by the the things we see, the things we read, the art we consume. These things shape us. They have an impact. And uh, Michael and I just thought it would be uh, fun to share with you some of the uh, works of literature that have shaped our lives. Uh, Michael, why don't you start things off? Why don't you name a book that was uh, important in your uh Oh, me? Yeah. I, uh, I, I'm so sorry. I didn't, I wish I'd prepared. I did not <laughs> think I was going mean, to, um, yeah, no, 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 no. I got one. Um, shoot. Yeah, just uh, any book. No, I know. Like, it's just yeah. like in my mind, there's this whole library. <laughs> I'm trying to just to pick one. Yeah, just pick, tough. just pull one okay, off Okay, well, shelf. this isn't like a classic. This isn't like a hootin' tootin', uh, big old honkin' work of fiction, but it is one that shaped me. Um, Andromeda Strain by Michael Crichton. You know, I read it in middle school. It really got me into science and kicked off my love of reading. And I don't know, it's, it was fun. That's a great one. Yeah, what okay, about you, cool. Colin? Oh. Oh, you want me to... to yeah, I'd love a, to hear what shaped you. Oh, gosh. I didn't... A book? You want? Preferably a book oh, or an yeah, audio book. Okay, great. Uh, no, I just... Uh, I didn't didn't have one picked out, so I didn't... Well, just say something quick. Okay, great. Uh, I guess, for me, the, the book that really got me into reading and uh, sort of kicked off my love of literature would have to be Jurassic Park by Michael Crichton. It was just sort of like a... One of those books that I found at the right time in my life, you know? There you and go. So, yeah. That's a good one. It's yeah. exciting. It's, it's exciting. Uh, a little bit about science. Yeah. Um, do you have any other uh, books? That well, you know, now you that can... you mention it, I am remembering a time in college, so I was a little bit more mature, uh-huh. and I was studying abroad in Italy, and it was a really wonderful experience because I found out that my intelligence not only translates in English, but in Italian, and I was made, um, I don't know the term here, but I was made some sort of... Um, minor uh, prime minister. And in between giving lectures and sort of curing the sick, I would take days to just sort of wander and see the land. And one day I was was walking into a villa just as sun was setting, and I saw this woman standing in front of her home, and in the back of her home was a store. And even though she wasn't very attractive, I still went in to peruse the goods. And I found all these knickknacks and and these old dusty items, and there was this wooden chest, and I lifted it up, and inside were a ton of leather-bound books covered in dust. And I picked them up and threw them to the side, and underneath was a Kindle with Michael Crichton's timeline on it. Oh, that's oh, cool. So good. That's a good one. They yeah. go back and forth in time. There's nights. It's freaking awesome. That's freaking fun, yeah. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah. Uh, you know, that that reminds me of when I was at uh, university, mm. and... Uh, I was taking this comparative literature course. Oh wow! Yeah, it was uh, eye-opening. It was. It was. Uh, we were comparing the works of uh, Ernest Hemingway and Virginia Woolf, mm. and uh, just uh, comparing their styles. And there was also a bit of uh, a gender studies in it too. Oh, and interesting! I just found it to be so painfully boring. And I uh. just walked out of the class and I went home and I read The Congo by Michael Crichton and it oh. was way better than anything either Ernest Hemingway or Virginia Woolf ever wrote. Oh, I don't think they have one book about a big monkey. No, the monkey was so big. So big. So big and scary. Yeah, you know that's not going to end well. Yeah. Speaking of not ending well, I have another example um, just to really hammer home the series of examples we've been doing. And I want to remind the audience that no matter what you think, we're a couple steps ahead of you. Yeah, I don't think they have any idea where this is going. 
Um, this is actually kind of a serious one, so if everybody could leave the room. I was visiting my grandfather in the hospital a couple years ago, and he was such a strong guy, but he'd caught a case of pneumonia that he just couldn't shake, and it really wore him down. And this was tough for me because I wasn't, I wasn't used to seeing him like that. I'd visit him whenever I could, but it was just so strange. He was frail and human. One night I was sitting by him, and I dozed off. When I woke up, he was squeezing my hand, and he told me he wanted to show me something. From under his pillow, he took out a manuscript, loose pieces of paper held together with string. And Now, now you got to know my grandfather. He, he was an electrician. He was a blue-collar working man, you know. I'd never known him to pick up a pen in his life, except maybe to sign a bar tab. He handed me the manuscript, and he told me it was his life story. I flipped through all the pages, soaking it in, and when I finished, I realized the sun had just risen. <laughs> I took a moment to sit there, and I realized this wasn't just his life story. It was a near word-for-word ripoff of Jurassic Park 2 The Lost World by Michael Crichton. And I was like, what the fuck? Grandpa, what kind of shit are you trying to pull? And he was like, because he had a tube down his throat to keep him uh, alive. And I was like, I'll rip this this tube out. You tell me what's going on. He was like, and so I went right out of that hospital. I found a lawyer. We contacted Michael Crichton, and we sued the shit out of my grandpa. Anyway, that's why I never visit him. Oh, is he still in the hospital? Oh, no, he's in a state penitentiary now. Oh, good. Yeah, they, uh, they put him away. And a little fun update to that story. He died. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you so much. That's, Talk about the good guys winning one, oh, right? Finally, you know, it's uh, there's so many so many times where, you know, the bad guys win in this world where it's just nice to hear a story where yeah. the good guys win. Yeah, chalk one up for the late great Michael Crichton. Yeah. And now this podcast is about to take a turn for the terrifying. Our reader today is a master of the gothic horror novel. And her work is so terrifying, so horribly horrifying, and so gosh darn spooky that if you have any kids and they listen to this, they'll never love you again. Ladies and gentlemen, prepare yourself for Daphne McMillan. Hello, uh, my name is Daphne McMillan. I'm a horror writer in the Southern Gothic tradition. Perhaps some of you might know me from my previous unpublished works, The Shadow, The Dark Hall, and The Clock, Struck Midnight, of course. All of those I have subsequently abandoned. The passage I shall read for you now is from my most recent work, which I have been working on tirelessly for the past 20 years. So please, allow me to present to you a passage from The Night Visitor, based on a true story. I was walking alone in the abandoned insane asylum again. It was the middle of the night, and I was taking one of my mind-clearing insane asylum walks. By the time I thought to check my Rolex, it was approaching the witching hour. Oh, but it wasn't witches that I was thinking of, because just then I saw a man step into the doorway of the asylum. A beam of moonlight hit his face, and at that moment I saw that his face was all goofed up. His face was goofed up beyond belief. No, I gasped, wake me from this sleep, but no, I wasn't asleep, despite, as I mentioned before, the very late hour. Instead, I was trapped in an abandoned insane asylum with this 
weird, goofed-up guy. This guy just looked so gross. Just, ugh. You know he was a guy you just didn't want to look at, let alone hang out with, let alone hang out with at night in an abandoned insane asylum. He looked like a guy you'd look at and think, uh, no thanks, no way, am I hanging out with this guy? That guy? I mean, no, come on. Then suddenly, that weird, goofed-up man turned and he looked at me with his horrible, goofed-up eyes. His eyes looked like two grapes, but bad, bad, weird grapes. Oh, I hated him then for looking at me with those gross eyes. Now, of course, when I say grapes, I don't mean purple grapes, though that would have also been scary. I mean green grapes, but oh boy, not grapes that you'd want to eat. Especially not out of some gross guy's face. Uh, His horrible, gross grape eyes looked at me, and I thought to myself, What is with this guy's eyes? Is anyone else seeing this? Just as my mind reeled, like that little wheel on a fishing pole, whatever you call that, I'll look it up later, the man took a step towards me. He lifted his hand, which was just the worst. Picture the grossest hand you've ever seen. Not even in the same ballpark. Way, way down the line. Whatever kind of gross hand you're picturing in your mind, double it. Here's a regular hand. Over there is a gross hand. This guy's hand in the back of the room. He took another step towards me. Dear God, up in whatever that place is called, I thought to myself. Now this guy was close enough for me to see that he was smiling. Smiling like a real jerk. And his teeth, his teeth were not good. Not good at all. He looked like... I don't know, like he had never brushed his teeth. I'm just putting it out there. I don't know his situation. But overall, it was real rough stuff. As that dude moved, I realized, oh, no, it's not just the outside of his body that is gross and goofy. It's also the inside of his body. His frame was thin, not hot thin, like a model, but thin like a broom or like a bunch of brooms all cut up and put back together. You know what I'm trying to say. Like, what's this guy's deal that he looks like this? His hair was greasy and long, and it hung down in a way that just made you really ask a lot of questions about who he was and where he was coming from with all this. It was just a lot to deal with. Perhaps most horrifying of all, as my eyes journeyed from the soles of his lame shoes to the top of his greasy head, I spied the most goofed-up thing of all. A top hat. Who does that? Wear a top hat just like a round... And then beneath the hat on his body, there was a tattered, filthy tuxedo. I was like, okay, I guess. I don't know. Whatever. Needless to say, I didn't know what to do. I had no flashlight, and I owned no cell phone, as I believe society is too reliant on technology. Then he walked the final steps between us with a walk that made me, for one, very uncomfortable. Picture, like, whatever your pic... It was probably... It was around the same... It was... You know what I'm saying. You sort of... You could see it. It was the kind of walk that as soon as you saw it, you were like, oh, there's a whole story behind that. I steeled my nerves and I too took a step forward, thinking that perhaps this goofy-looking guy would look at me and think, whoa, what's up with this lady? Walking towards me when I have all this stuff going on? She must be crazy or gross too or something. And then suddenly he was before me. For a second we breathed the same stale, dust-filled air and let me just say, yikes. I was not excited about it, that's for sure. I was like, a check, please. Also, he smelled bad. But then again, as if in defiance of my mind's own will, I reached my hand out towards his face, which, once again, two thumbs way down, and I touched the smooth, 
shiny surface of a mirror. And then right next to it was that gross guy. Panicking, I lashed out, my hand barely brushing his coat. It wasn't until that moment I realized that I had half feared, half hoped that he would be a ghost or a banshee or a slimer or something, but no, my hand touched an actual coat, which was more than a little wet, which we'll get back to, okay? As if aroused by my touch, the weird guy with his frigged-up teeth raised his shitty hand, and he bopped me right on the schnoz. This guy just absolutely wailed on me. I mean, wow, I know he sounded like he was in rough shape, but he went berserker mode on me. As he raised his weird head again, I shrieked to that guy in heaven. I can't remember his name right now. What is your problem, man? Lay off. Grow up. Get a life. The whole thing was just so goofed up. This guy's hand stopped in midair, hovering right near my face. To which I was like, get that thing out of here. And that's when I realized this was no monster. No mummy or werewolf or gremlin that's faces made out of tomatoes or carrots or something, you know, from the movie. It turns out that this foul being that I had just met was just some gross guy. Wandering around the abandoned insane asylum in the middle of the night, just like I was. He hadn't seen me approach him because of, you know, the eye thing. And he was wearing a tuxedo and top hat because he was playing Abraham Lincoln in a community theater production. And his teeth and hair looked like that because he was just gross. He was a weird, gross guy. And that's what I learned that night, I suppose. Perhaps that is what brought me there, the lesson that I had to learn. That some people are just, you know, really stinky creeps, you know, just real goof troops or whatever. After we had laughed about how retarded we had acted, I drove that gross guy to his home, which was a graveyard. And in the first light of dawn, as the mist began to rise off the tombstones, he turned and looked at me one last time. And I never saw him again. Well, we went out a couple times after that, but he was dealing with a lot of stuff, you know, with the play and everything, and of course, uh, the eyes. Thank you so much. Oh, Daphne McMillan. Uh, One criticism... Uh Too scary. Oh, you too. <laughs> Is there a window open? Because I am freezing cold. I am so scared. They're actually all open. It's very windy in here. It was oh, they kind are of hard open. to read. Yeah, you know, My papers actually, were blowing yeah. everywhere. Uh, I am sorry that I did have to leave the room at uh, one point during the reading. I was uh, terrified. I, Where'd for you? one, can't blame you. Sometimes when I'm, I'm writing, I have to leave the room. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was going to be my first question, mm. is how the heck do you get through this? If I was you, my fingers would be trembling so much I'd break every dang pencil I held. Well, luckily, I don't write with pencils. I use a computer, but I have broken the keyboard. A computer. It's like a typewriter, but better, I suppose. You know, it's you like might have seen one pencil? at the bank or something. It is like, I guess, if you took billions of pencils and combined their power into some sort of machine... You, if you had a superpower, I don't know exactly how oh, that okay. all works, like, but you know. Okay, like at the Apple store? Yes, yeah, exactly. I, go the, mm. I get my apples there, and they have like a little machine where they uh, sort they of ring weigh, you up. They yeah. weigh the apples. Okay, I'm going to write this yeah. down. Yes. K-A-M-T. Oh, I don't know how to spell it. Are you asking me? I thought you were asking you. P-O-O-T-U-R. Again, I, I the one great thing about the computer is it has the um, autocorrect, so I, I actually don't know how to spell literally any word. So you could just uh-huh. plug what Michael wrote into a computer, and it mm-hmm. would uh, tell you the correct spelling yes. and then where to get one. Okay, I it would I probably all sorts of information. Could it tell me why my body hurts? I you know I I, I and think why mine would, looks weird. 
there's some questions that perhaps don't have no answer. So I, I mean, I think it would give you a lot of great suggestions, some leads mm. um, for you to suss out for yourselves. But um, Well, one question I hope does have an answer is... Was that story? By the way, excellent segue. I'm going to write that down for my next book. <laughs> okay, but I will need a royalty. Um, one question I hope there is an answer to is, is that story true? It is 1,000% true. <laughs> I believe me, even when I was happy, I'm like, uh, I'm going to write this down afterwards. Oh, I'm going I to. can't imagine. Like, as scary as it was to listen to it and as scary as I'm sure it was to write it, living it? Are you kidding me? I honestly think writing it was probably scarier because oh. when I was there, I was like, yeah, there's a lot of different options. And like thinking back was actually, you know, again, my keyboard keys were flying off because my fingers were so mm. trembly. Well, I've had a lot of bad things happen in my life. Oh. And one. Do you mind if I jot some of them down? Are yeah, you, you using them for anything? Okay, well, one great. thing I was going to say, one thing I try to do is not think about them. So mm, I mm. will do a lot of drugs and run someone over, and then I just won't think about that. And so it's gone. Um, and you had this terrible thing happen to you, and you had to kind of go back into that. That must mean you're brave. Um, I think I'm incredibly brave. Um, I think I'm perhaps the bravest person who's ever lived. Um, I think it's interesting because I have also had a ton of just really horrific things happen. But what's nice is I figured out a way how to make uh, money off of them. You know, mm. I think that's a, a perhaps something that you should look into. I mean, mm. this this situation you got to have seems terrible. If you could somehow make money off of it, that would be at least give you a reason to to have your to lives go the way on they living, are. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So you're a- saying that money. Might be a, a reason for us to continue living. I, I I'm straining to come up with a, a different one, but yeah. it, it definitely it's on the uh, on the list. Yeah. How could I make money off of all of my weeping sores? Mm. Oh, I'm gonna jot that down for me. That's something that you definitely look up in your computer. Okay, maybe like a medical student could poke me. Right. Oh, um, that's good. Yeah, slip some sort of primate DNA in your sores <gasps> and see what happens. Yes, that's a great idea. Okay. Medical experimentation. Yeah. Um, I once had a doctor test my nightmares. Oh, uh, did they come back positive or? Uh, they're positively nightmares. <laughs> yeah, I, I, they were off the charts. Um, Why do they even use those outdated charts? Yeah, there, it seems like they should make them taller so yes, exactly. things don't jump right off. sky high. Um, but now they've found out how to... Uh, they basically are trying to create the ultimate dream machine for a kid. Based off your nightmares? Yeah. See, you I'm should be control. getting paid for that. That's nope. the thing. You should be... They should be giving... Reimbursing you for being... Having such a terrible mind to create horrible things. It was community service because I ran over a police dog. Oh, I see. And... Um, well, he got me there. I suppose, you know, I... I guess you just have to hope that something else terrifying happens to you. Every day I wake up and I think, I hope something mind-bogglingly mm. freakish happens to me. I hope I see a clown in the sewer. Really? I, I hope so, I see a, a, a Loch Ness uh, monster or whatever. You know, every day I just hope it happens. That's amazing you know? because every day I wake up and I'm like, I hope I don't have a reason to leave the house. But you embrace mm-hmm. that. See, but in that case, I'd be like, oh, perhaps there's some, some sort of murder inside the house. You don't oh. have to leave the house for something terrible to happen. Have you ever thought about that? Terrible, many terrible things happen in people's homes. That's no, true. I don't think so. I'm oh. safe in my home. Oh no, you could hurt yourself. Someone How? could come in and hurt you. Why? Well, let's, let's say you're driving again, like you were saying. You're 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 high or stoned or whatever. You uh, fall, usually, I'm blindfolded. You try to get out of the car while still moving. Then you fall. You run over yourself. Oh my god. Oh. 
And you were driving inside your house in order to apply to your situation. Yeah. Well, I'm very rich, and so my house is ten houses tied together. Right. Uh, I had a question. Um, is that why you would go into that insane asylum and walk around, is to get inspiration for scary stories? Yes. Also, I grew up there, so I have a lot of memories attached oh, to are it. Are you crazy? Um, no, I was uh, the janitor. Okay. Um, I started very young, so and you. um, I... Yes, my parents were janitors and their sure. parents were for them, which is actually a very boring and it seems gross and it is, but not like in a fun way, you know, which is like poop and that kind of thing. Um, you know, so, uh, but being there, I certainly experienced a lot of horror that otherwise I, would, I wouldn't have had the benefit of experiencing. So, in a way, my life wasn't terrible. This might be too personal, but how does a kid's janitor's job change from an adult janitor's job? Just the size of the broom okay, or mop, depending on how liquid the poop is. Okay, great. I guess the next question is, how did you then get into writing? Because I uh, was a janitor for a long time uh, at Harvard University. Oh. And I wanted to become a writer. And there was this famous sentence written on a chalkboard. And nobody could solve it. Oh, it's famous. So we all would know the sentence? It was a sentence. What is the sentence? (laughs) This is a sentence no one's could solve? The sentence was, uh, a path diverged in the woods, and I took the path, and then it was a blank spot. Oh, fascinating. Hmm. And so I wrote one of those S's. That's like the three lines. A dollar sign? No, it's like a Stussy S. Oh, yes. I'm familiar with Stussy. Um, So I wrote that, and I solved the sentence. And uh, my prize was getting kicked off of my job. Oh. Uh, you also used to like uh, uh, like spelling things with the mop uh, out of the vomit that uh, all the kids would throw up. Yes. I made Starry Night out of vomit. I once time made an acrostic poem on the kids' lockers out of blood from a fight. And So, <laughs> so a lot of vomiting and fights at Harvard is what you're saying. <laughs> Yes, I was at Harvard Juvenile Correction yeah. Center. Oh, I, I, I misunderstood. For violent and trouble number one, teens. Number one party school. With big teeth. Um, and, yeah, so how did you make that jump from janitor to writer? Well, you know, I'll be honest. I've actually never had an original thought. I don't – clinically, I do not have an imagination. So uh, everything I've ever you have no written lobes. about – I have one lobe total, and it's – even that one's a little messed up. A little yeah, wonky. A little wonky. A wonky lobe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Medically speaking, yeah. off the charts, yeah. off the wonk charts. <laughs> Gotta get um, the charts. So everything I've ever written, all my books have been things that I've literally seen with my eyes. Mm. Um, and then how to make money with it. I wrote it down and then I just went into, walked into any some building. I just guessed at random. I said, I'd like to make this give me money. Mm-hmm. And it turns out it was a publishing wow. house. And uh, literally, I am not joking, the first building I walked into and... Um, it's been going pretty well ever since. That's amazing because you could have walked into any number of buildings on either side, but you walked into the publishing house. I could have walked into a McDonald's. I could have walked into a Wendy's. And just... I could have walked into a Taco Bell or an Arby's. I could have walked into, you're right, any building. A White Castle. Um... KFC. Uh... And yet, I almost feel like it was fate. Um, I had a question what do you think is the scariest thing? Oh, boy. I would say some people think death. That is the scariest thing. But I think mm. being born way scarier because mm, yeah. you don't know what's going on. You're covered in goo and like, you know, cream cheese or whatever their babies are covered with. You're just you're it's an absolute shock when you're when you die. Then you're just dead. You go in yeah. the ground and worms. You eat get a nice you. box. 
You yeah. get a beautiful box. That's something that most people box. are looking forward to, I would think. I mean, I certainly do. The yeah. ultimate rest, just the amount of sleep. Not really sleep because, again, your body will disintegrate and be turned back into the soil. But in a way, sleep. Right, in a sense that you're not awake. Yes. yes. So yeah. if anything is not awake, the opposite of being awake is anything else. Yes. Then yes, death definitely falls into that mm-hmm. uh, group. And versus being born, I mean, it's just like, and then you have to go through your life. And again, as we have had all of our lives, so many terrible things happen yeah. to you. There's so many things you got to do. As soon as oh. you're born, it's like, there's just like, oh, great. There's a to-do list already. Right. Somewhere. Learn to walk. Learn to read. Breathe. Learn to keep breathing. Keep yeah. breathing. Give think about think about blinking. Because if you won't, if you don't, you can't blink. Yes. Find a wife. Keep her. Mm-hmm. It's too much. Yeah. Do the you list think somebody, goes on and on. Do you think someone could write a horror book about being born? Oh, well. Now that you mention it, I remember being born. Really? That's so fascinating. Yes. I never, I never thought about it. Perhaps because I thought, oh, it's too, too frightening. Uh, how, what is the line between a true terror and entertainment? You know, for yeah. me, I mean, it's they're pretty much one and the same. But I guess birth just seemed almost too beyond the pale. But now that you mm, mention yeah. it, maybe that is something worth exploring. For me, anything a little more serious than comedy, I think, is terror. I so mm-hmm. I sort of consider that. Terror. So drama, that's all that's, terror. Uh, those are they might as well be horror films for me. Okay. Yeah. What about like a alt comedy? Like you're not sure when to like laugh. Like a Moraka. Like a Moraka? Yeah, just somebody really out there. Like a, right, you're not sure. You see Moraka, you're like, am I supposed to laugh? Is this a joke? I yeah. don't know. Yeah. Is the it's joke like that I don't performance get Performance art? Yeah, yes. exactly. Moraka. Exactly. Performance yeah. art, yes. Yeah. Uh, I find it pretty terrifying. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Daphne, what are some pieces of advice that you'd want to give young aspiring writers who maybe don't know what genre they want to go to? All right. My first piece of advice is to just do horror because, first of all, that's where the money is, mm-hmm. okay? And for most people, yes, some people are going to have ro- something romantic and funny happen. Some people are going to have something dramatic happen. Everyone in the world will have many, many terrible things happen to them. Horrible things, again, from the time you're born, the worst, to the end of your life. Your life is going to be a horror show, so why not use that to make some money? So I would say, first of all, get yourself a computer. Hmm. They have them many different places. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they sell them at Wendy's, mm-hmm. at Taco Bell, mm-hmm. at Arby's, mm-hmm. at White Castle, mm-hmm. and those two other places you guys said. And get one and sit down and think, what, what in my life fills me with absolute dread? And do I, I just, the idea of thinking about fills me with terror. I'm going to think about it now for, I'm going to say about nine months, turn it into a real work of art. Okay, see, I, I don't know why we can't... Why can't we just write about nice stuff? Where, like, all the characters just do nice things, and they all get along. Colin, let me ask you no this. no conflict, and nothing happens. Let and me ask you this. to me. What, what is... Name one thing that is ever... Nice thing that has ever happened to you in your entire life. Right now, tell me one thing. Hmm. It's hard, isn't it? Yeah, I can't think of anything. Me about, either. What about when that bee stung your eye? Oh, yeah, that was, was that a nice thing? No, that most people would, I think most people oh. consider that a bad thing. But yeah, then I true. couldn't use now one of my eyes, exactly, so I couldn't yes. see a lot of horrible things. Yeah, but now you, you don't the other have one. an eye, and you've got yeah. a big empty. So I don't have to see as many terrible things that and are your happening other around me. And your other eye got super big to see for the other side. So you and have yeah. a big bulging eye. Yeah. Yes, so I think, again, now that you, we've explained it, could you see how maybe that is a bad thing? Maybe. And 
that bad thing is yours. That's what's so nice is it's your unique, terrible life. And you could take it and, and, and turn it into whatever you want. Say a, a screenplay or a short story or a, just a little piece of paper that you fold up and you put in your mouth and you swallow and now it lives inside you. Okay. Um, yeah. One last question. Do you have a family? Yes. I, um, my husband uh, and we have 12 children. They are, of course, all janitors. And uh, we also do live in a not the same insane asylum because that one don't shit where you eat. <laughs> exact couldn't have said it better myself. And um, uh, can we look forward to any upcoming works from you? Certainly, I have a uh, an erotic novel coming out called Gush. Um, I have a uh, sort of my first foray into theater. It's called the Amphitheater of the Damn Theater, and I'm still mm-hmm. working that out. Um, the and title then, or. Yes, just the, the title. Yeah, I haven't yeah. really gotten into the other words. Yeah. The title, I'm still... The title, you know what they say? A title's worth a thousand words. Exactly. That's, you learned that at Harvard, didn't you? I did, yes. I was drinking a lot of Snapple back then, and that was in one of the caps. Mm-hmm. What, what happened to the Snapple lady, do you think? She got stuck in one of the bottles. Oh, my God. Yeah, she got sucked in because of centrifugal force. Terrifying. Yeah, it's pretty scary, but hey, better to have a home like that than me with a home with windows that won't close. Yes, I guess that's true. I don't know what you expect me to say to that. I mean... Sometimes freedom is like the worst thing of all, you know? Well, it was really great having you on what might be my last podcast. Well, it was a delight. Thank you for having Thank me. Thank you so much, Daphne. This Thank you. Do you have any rope? Um, yes, I... Do you want some of it or... Yeah, just about like six feet. Like to eat? Oh, actually. I was going to kill myself, but... Rope for everybody! Oh, yeah! Yeah! <laughs> Well, dear listeners, we hope that you're still with us and not absolutely dead from being scared out of your wits. <laughs> Thank you, brave listeners, for sticking around and listening to Daphne McMillan's chilling tale. Uh, fortunately, you know how scary, scary it was. fortunately, she has left the building, and now we can breathe normally and the only thing scarier than that story is the fact that our podcast time sadly is coming to an end yeah but we will be back with more literati podcasts and also you can check out our live show monthly at union hall in brooklyn if you like what you hear here you're gonna love what you see at the show it's a wonderful venue with drinks food and we just get the best lineup of some of the best writers and readers from all over the world reading from their brand new manuscripts and we're there all night long steering the ship so if you enjoy this podcast in the least you're gonna love the live show it's a good time good people you should be there so from our home to yours we want to say thank you good night and don't forget to keep reading okay to read This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Joe Cilio, Alex Ramsey, and Brett Boehm. For more podcasts, please visit foreverdogproductions.com.